All right, McFarland, McFarland, yell it. McFarland. Yeah, McFarland, we're all excited. Listen, McFarland Energy, thank you so much. Another Bradfoe show. Uh, today's version is uh, we go intercontinental. No, inter, inter, uh, international. Not international. Inter- intercontinental might be, I mean, how far south did he go? Um, was Mexico the furthest? Well, by him, of course, we mean James Paxton. Jimmy yeah. Paxton. We like to call him Jimmy P. He's part of the family, so he's just Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, you might know him as Big Maple. We we know him as uh, Jimmy Lefty Arm. I don't know. Jimmy so. Lefty Arm? Jimmy Lefty Arm, no hitter? Yeah, there you go. There's a lot to pick through with Jimmy. And, and, uh, and it's, first, first of all, super nice guy, right? Very, very connected. We addressed, we addressed the uh, scientific conundrum. That is why Canadian baseball players are usually really, really nice people. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of science. So we we get a lot, we get to a lot of things with James Paxton, including, by the way, how important he is. Um, I, I wanted him to give the the sort of the hype, uh, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. Let's go, get everyone riled up at the end. Like here we go, here comes James Paxton. Here he is. There he is. He's going to say, live up to it for you. Yeah, let's go. Was it enough or was he too Canadian? Well, you have to, you'll have to find out for you. Exactly. There you go. That's a let's team. listen to Jimmy Paxton right now. All right. There's no person I'd rather have here on the Bradford show than James Paxton. Um, because I feel like, and this is where we're going to, we're going to start James. So when we talk as reporters, we say the guy's from Canada and he's a good guy, right? <laughs> Yeah. Have you have you heard that before? I've heard that before, yeah. Okay. Is that true? I think mostly. Yeah, there's a lot of nice people in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's 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 it is bizarre in the sense of like, you know, we've had guys come through here like Jason Bay and going back, you know, some other guys and like they've all been very, very nice people. Um are you raised right? In, what's going? Like, what's, are you raised right in Canada? I, and do you notice? And here's a better question about how to put it. Do you sense that you know you are around f- from a lot of different people from a lot of different places of the earth? So how is Canadian? How are Canadian people different in that respect? I don't know. You know, I think the way that I was raised, anyway, is just kind of like being polite, respecting other people. Not that that doesn't happen in other places, but it was just something that was really focused on. I think when I was growing up, and it just kind of made me who I am. Yeah. Has anyone else said you were a really nice guy? Yeah, I've heard that before. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Like out of the gate? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> just like people that I talk to, other reporters, teammates, you know, whoever it may be. Well, the fact that you're doing this podcast, obviously, you're a nice guy, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but the interesting thing is, so you were raised in Canada. How big the town? Oh man, I'm probably gonna get this way wrong, but I would guess. 60,000 people. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And what's the name of it? Ladner. Ladner, okay. L-A-D-N-E-R. Okay. So, you were raised there, and when was the first time that you ventured out, well, ventured out of the country, they say? Out of the country, let's see. Well, I mean, we go down to Seattle to watch, like, baseball games. How far is that, Seattle? Two and a half hours. What was your first major league game? Oh, man. I think it was the Blue Jays and, uh, and the Mariners. And I don't know if this is my first game, but I remember 
Ichiro got a got a uh, walk-off walk, and we begged my parents to stay to the end of the game because it was like the 11th inning, and we had to drive back to Canada. Yeah, how so far? How far is that? So it's like two, two and a okay. half hours. And we were young, so we had to get home. But my brother and I begged my parents to let us stay to the end of the game, and we were just chanting, you know, Ichiro's name. And uh, he got the walk, and they won. We were all happy. And my brother and I got to sleep on the way home. My dad always had to drive, so that worked out pretty well for us. The, the so. You, you you ventured to Seattle, so that you got out of the country. But here's the interesting, or one of the many interesting things about you, is that you've been to a lot of places. Like, how old are you? You're I'm 33 33. Now. I could look that up and yeah. probably said that, but I didn't want to guess and, and insult you one way or the other. <laughs> but still, it's, it's, you've been, you went to college in Kentucky, yep. right? You you played college, collegiate ba- baseball, uh, summer baseball in in um, Alaska, correct? I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, you were in Omaha, Nebraska. What, what was it? The Independent League? Yeah, yeah. So I played uh, independent baseball uh, before I was drafted by the Mariners, and I was in Grand Prairie, Texas. Grand Prairie, Texas. And there was yeah. yeah so it was I. So yes, great nickname for the team. By the way. <laughs> uh, it was like the Warhogs, right? Yeah, yeah, the Airhogs. Airhogs. Yeah, so yes, yeah. I knew it was something like that. So you've been there. You obviously have been to Boston. You've been to Seattle. You've been to Toronto. You've been uh, to New York now. Yeah. Um, so give me, if you can, mm-hmm. starting with Kentucky, yeah. because that's a big leap yeah. when you go from Canada to Kentucky. Yeah. Give me a good story from your day, your time at Kentucky. Oh man! Well, right when I got there, I mean, you know, I'm a 17 year old kid coming from Canada, moving in the dorm rooms. I meet my my uh, roommate, other another baseball player, and he's from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, I couldn't understand a word he was saying because, like, he had a thick Southern accent, and I'm this Canadian kid with a thick Canadian accent. <laughs> so we're trying to talk, and I just trying to understand each other. It took me like two weeks to. Uh, kind of figure out exactly what he's trying to say to me <laughs> or not to ask me to slow it down yeah what why kentucky it was the only uh division one school that offered me a scholarship really uh gonzaga actually was after me too but just not offering a big enough scholarship. Do you only want to go to schools with good basketball teams or what's happening i mean it turned out that way yeah but um yeah it was just the only two schools that were really after me i mean i wasn't in high school i was a guy throwing 86 to 88 that's it maybe really yeah, i wasn't the big power arm and in college like i put on 35 pounds and four inches and started throwing harder wait 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 wait. so you got out of high school so how tall are you now six six no no i'm like six four okay so you at a high school you were six feet six feet like 180 pounds that's it yeah throw it throw in like 86 throw in like 86 yeah and i was decent yeah. you know had a good little curveball but uh not throwing very hard at all um, and then I uh, and then I, each year I just kind of started throwing a little bit harder a little bit harder and then my junior year is finally when I hit like 96 in high school uh, in college oh in college yeah yeah okay college. all right and so that's when I finally got seen by that was teams. it yeah oh really yeah what I want to come back to Kentucky <laughs> right so you move it I want I want to know something I've never lived in Kentucky right oh man <laughs> What can I tell you about Kentucky? Yeah, yeah. So, like, what is, what is, what, like, if, you, if you're going to say to someone, hey, you got to move to Kentucky. Yeah. What would you be like? Here's my best advice about living in Kentucky. Best advice about living in Kentucky. I mean, people love the horse racing there. You know? Did you go? I, I didn't get a chance to go, actually, because no. a lot of what would happen is they would be uh, racing on weekends, right? Okay. 
continue playing baseball. And if I had redshirted some of the freshman guys I went in with, I redshirted, and they, they didn't go to play on the weekends. They would actually get to go to the horse track and see all that stuff. But uh, I've just been told that it's an awesome time. Oh, yeah. Well, you get to wear the big hat. Well, oh, yeah. Is that, I mean, is that the know. women? I don't even know. I don't know, know if I'd wear a big hat. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you, guys, you see big hats. Yeah. Sure. You never, so, so you go to Kentucky. Yeah. When did you play in Alaska? I played Alaska after my sophomore year. So you, why, why you were at Kentucky? Yeah, while okay. I was at Kentucky, I went that summer. The, the, my first summer, I actually played uh, in the West Coast, WCCBL, WCBL, something like that. I played for the Kelowna Falcons, which was like up in British Columbia. It's a little close okay. to Okay. That doesn't fit the narrative of this because it's in Canada. We're yeah, moving yeah, around. Exactly. So, so Canada, I mean, sorry, so Alaska, you go to Alaska. Yeah. Give me, your, give me a good Alaska story. Oh, man, well, we had, uh, we got two days off at some point. And we went and we decided to go camping uh, on this river. I believe it was called the Russian River. Okay. And uh, we were catching some salmon and stuff like that. It was great. We'd cook it, we'd cook it up right there. Um, and it was crazy because you'd be standing on this little river and there was people lined the whole way down, standing like five feet apart. And you could like reach out. Just grab a salmon? It felt like you could just reach out and grab the salmon. Really? Yeah, it was, they were so close to you. That's pretty. That's like that seems like a pretty good summer league to play in. It was. It was really cool. I highly recommend it to any. Did, but you did, is it? But you couldn't sleep because it's light all the time, right? You had to have like the blackout shades. Yeah. Or else it's too bright. Okay. Which again, like one of the. It's crazy to me to think about the different places you've been. Like this nuts. I mean, it's the great game of baseball, yeah, right? I got to travel around a little bit with uh, the junior national team in Canada. Ooh, where'd you go? I uh, We had a tryout in Santo Domingo. Okay. And then we played in Cuba, and we played in Mexico. Okay. Well, well give, me, give me a good story. I'm, those three places, I just yeah. need one story. One story. Like, you were hitchhiking across... Uh, the Dominican Republic or oh, something yeah. like that or well we were somewhere we were driving and I forget if it was either Cuba or uh, uh, Dominican because we were we were driving on the bus and we got pulled over and stopped and we all had to get off the bus and they came onto this bus onto the bus with this like smoke gun and they smoked out like the entire bus. And I still haven't figured out exactly what they were. Wait, they let the smoke go? Yeah, yeah. Really? They like smoked the whole bus to like, I was talking for bugs or something like that. And then we had to all get back on. Our coaches were talking to these guys that, you know, had guns and stuff. And we were just like, yo, like we're just a baseball team from Canada going to play baseball. And they let us go, but it was, it was the weirdest thing. How old were you? Oh, I, I was probably 16. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. You lived a life before you like got to twenty. I'm like, I know it's pretty wild. Yeah, little 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 Jimmy Paxton. <laughs> it's a six foot, 180 pound. Like yeah. going. So you go through. So you you finally start throwing hard. Yeah. You go to Alaska. It was you know you don't get any sleep. Yeah. Um, you catch some salmon. Yeah. And you're you're a decent college player, but not what you became, right? Right. Okay. Right. That'd be fair to say. Otherwise, yeah. you play in the Cape League. <laughs> right. Yeah, probably. I mean, I wasn't because I didn't even play summer ball after my junior year okay. because I had been drafted and uh, I just didn't play. And then, uh, you know, that's when I decided to go back to Kentucky for my senior year. Didn't really work out because of some NCAA stuff. And uh, I went and played that. That's when I, that's when I played indie ball. Okay. Oh, so now you play indie ball, ball for the 
Air hogs. I want to say war hogs. <laughs> so the air hogs. So give me a good story from there. Oh. Um, I mean, I just talked to Ryan Fitzgerald, who was in camp. Yeah. You know, he obviously indie ball guy, right? Yeah. He got paid. Uh, he said eight hundred bucks for the month. I mean, I don't know if it was a like, all indie ball. It's not all the same, I would imagine. But yeah. well, give me a good story from there. Anything? I'm trying to think of a good story. You, you were good though. I mean, like the fact you were drafted. Right. Oh no, that be, that was before you were drafted. That was before I got drafted. Okay. I, uh, I only got 17 innings with the team. Oh, you did. Because okay. like I got drafted, and then their season was still happening, but I, I left at that point. Okay. Okay. Um, so I got 17 innings with them. I mean, met some great people. You know, it was really, really. That's cool another part of this, right? You meet a lot of good people. Yeah. Interesting. I, mean, I, played people. With, I played with guys that had played in the minor leagues already, and uh, I got to pick their brains and talk to them about like what it was like to play, you know, affiliate ball and stuff like that. And uh, I think it kind of prepared me for what I was walking into. So, we, so you end up getting drafted. Where were you when you get drafted? So, a favorite question of mine because so, I got a great. Where I gotta like Joe Kelly told me the ultimate getting drafted story. Yeah. Well, I've told it so many times. I'll tell you anyway. <laughs> which was I'm gonna try to shorten this. He, the draft is on his 21st birthday, so he held a party yeah. for his 21st birthday and being drafted. The draft started after his 21st birthday started. So when the Angels called him for his second round. The Angels being the team five minutes from his house, they said, how much would it take to sign? And as he said, his word, blaming on the Jägermeister, and asked for a billion dollars and hung up the phone. They don't draft him, gets picked the next round. We figured it out, probably cost him like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So anyway, that's why I'm always interested in where were you when you draft a story. I mean, I was just at home. Uh, sitting on our back porch with my parents, listening to the listening. Oh, you listening to the guy? Yeah. I mean, who, who was broadcasting the draft? I don't oh. know. It was day two. Oh, okay. So I got drafted in the fourth round. Okay. So it was day two. We were sitting outside, hanging out, listening to the draft. It was summer, you know. So. But that was cool, though. I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, it was nice. It was just me and my folks. And, yeah. You know, just listening to it. So, so you go through, you draft. You've been to all these places. You've seen all this stuff. By the time you get to professional baseball, are you are you as tall as you are? Were you throwing, uh, you know, I don't know, low nineties? Like, what type of guy were you? Didn't by then were you like, okay, you know what? I feel like a, a at least belong a lot more than I did maybe a few years before. Yeah, you know, out of high school, you know, definitely didn't feel like I belonged. Uh, once I got the pro ball. I was throwing like you know 95, 98, okay. something like that. Had a good breaking ball. Uh, still had a lot of like kind of polishing to do, but uh, definitely felt like I belonged there at that point. What was when you're going through the minor leagues on your way to uh, the majors? Yep. What is the best advice that you got? What is or what is uh, what is you know it's the thing that you like? Oh, you know what? It doesn't have it doesn't have to be like a sappy advice, but just yeah. like maybe a, a moment or a, a person that like oh man that really stuck. You know, like Kevin Costner telling Nuclear Lou Rouge yeah, you know, yeah. how to deal with the media or something like that. Anything? I think for me the biggest kind of thing that I had to get past was comparing myself to others. Oh, okay, uh, that's because, a good one. You know, I was coming up with uh, you know Taiwan Walker, Danny Holson, Brandon Maurer. Rasmo Ramirez, you know, we had a bunch of guys who were really good, and it was just like, they had the big three, they called us, it was me and Holton and Walker, 
and I was always comparing myself to those guys, worrying too much about like what they were doing instead of what I needed to handle. You know, so it just took a little bit of mental work to kind of really focus on what I had to accomplish to make it to the next level instead of worrying about what other people are doing. And when did that click then? When did you say, hey, listen, they're going to be them, I'm going to be me, I'm going to be okay? Yeah, you know, I think it's always a work in progress. Like, you never just got it, like, it's with anything. But, uh, you know, I finally, I think I finally got better at it once I got to AAA, you know, and then my first couple years in the big leagues, and I kind of was able to put that aside. Do you, like you said, you always work on it, right? As we sit here right now, and I'm sort of jumping forward, I'm gonna jump back. Yeah. But as we sit here right now, is that the battle, is there a battle with you, like, of going through this process that you never have gone through, of like, of just trusting the process and understanding I can land where I was before? Yeah, you know, it's like controlling what you can control uh, is a big piece of it. For me, it's just like focusing on what I need to do one day at a time, kind of keeping my head down, doing my work, not worrying about like, you know, where I'm supposed to be right now or where I want to be right now. Just kind of, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm working on today. Okay, two important questions. They're both, what do you, what does this feel like because I've never had it happen to me. Yeah. Number one, throw a no-hitter in the major league game. Number two, have an eagle land on your head. <laughs> all right, you pick which one you want to go first. All right, all right. Let's go, who the no-hitter? You know, so that was crazy. I mean, I, I really didn't even feel that great that day. The first few innings, I walked some guys. Like, I didn't even realize that I hadn't given up a hit because I really wasn't throwing the ball that well. And then it started to come around, feeling a lot better. And the guys behind me were making plays the whole game. I mean, it's not like I was striking everybody out. I think that whole game, I only had like seven strikeouts. But uh, the plays being made behind me were, were unbelievable. And, I got to the seventh inning, and to end the seventh inning, Seeger made a diving play down the third baseline, and he's running past me because we're coming to the first base dugout, and he taps my chest and says, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, at that point, I was like, oh man, I gotta get this done now. So I go up for the eighth and ninth, just like knowing that I just, and I was just throwing as hard as I could. You know, yeah. At that point, I was just like, I'm giving it everything I got. Ninth inning, I think I threw all fastballs. Did he really? Yeah, I think I oh, just wow. threw all heaters, hardest fastballs of the day, just pure adrenaline, you know. And it was almost like a moment of like I couldn't even believe that that just happened when we finally. When it happened? Off. Yeah, like when when uh, Donaldson hit that ground ball to Seager to end it, and he laced it too, it was like a one hopper right at him. Um, but I just I couldn't believe that it happened. Zanino was catching for me, and he ran out. And that it was, it was awesome. I mean. It probably was not a coincidence that there was two national anthems played that day, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I mean, to do it in Canada, too, was really special. Yeah. Was, I had a friend that was in the stands, and he said, you know, obviously the team, the fans are cheering for the Blue Jays. But then he said, once you got like the eighth inning, like people started to turn. Oh, yeah. Were, like cheering for the, for the uh, no hitter. So that was, that was pretty cool to hear that side of it. By the way, can you sing O Canada? I mean, I could. I can't sing it well. I do not have a singing voice. No, well, I remember like. Hirokazu Sawamura, one of your current teammates, yeah. he said that one of the first things he tried to do was learn the national anthem because he knew he would have to sing the, sing the national anthem. <laughs> okay. Like, I gotta be honest with you, if you ask me right now to sing the national anthem, eh. but you know, 
I just, I, you know, I feel like you're from Canada, that you, like, you've heard it enough. Maybe you can actually sing it. Yeah, you know, the, you mean the American national anthem? No, no, the, the, the Canadian. No, I don't expect you like to sing the, the American national anthem. Okay. You're not American. You're, right. I don't think, right? You haven't changed citizenship. I have not, no. Jason Bay did, by the way. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for duel at some point. Are you? Yeah. Will you let us know when? Yeah. Jason Bay let me know when. It was in Washington. He was in Washington. He okay. got it done. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that tarnishes his image in, <laughs> in Canada, but... Yeah, whatever. I mean, tax yeah. purposes, whatever it takes. Yeah. But, so, all right. Enough of the Canadian National Anthem, although I love it. <laughs> the, the, bald e- uh, the bald eagle landing on your head. On your head or your shoulder? It was on my shoulder. Uh, yeah, so that was, uh, we were at the Minnesota Twins for their home opener. And it was like 29 degrees outside. And you know how the timing's all weird on these opening day games? I was throwing, I was the furthest part of my long toss when the National Anthem was being played. So I was a lone man standing in, in left field and uh, standing up there for the anthem and I see that they're going to let an eagle go. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, so he takes off and he kind of starts throwing right for me. I'm like, oh, just, he's just going to do a circle over the and go to his guy because he's standing on the mound. And uh, he gets closer and closer to me and he starts coming down. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> what, do I, what do I do here? Like, what am I going to do? Like, out, like run away from an eagle? So I was like, okay. So he just kind of comes at me and like kind of swoops in front of me. I back up so he doesn't hit me and he lands on the ground in front of me. And then like I lock eyes with this eagle and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And then next thing I know, all I see is feathers just coming at me. So I duck and he lands on my back. And at that point I'm like, all right. So he's just trying to land on me. He thinks I'm his guy. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to slowly try and stand up to see if he'll rest on my shoulder. So I stood up, and I think because my adrenaline was going, I stood up a little faster than I thought I did. And he started falling off my back. And that was the scariest part, because he was kind of grabbing at me and flapping and stuff, and kind of biting my, my shoulder to stay, on, to stay on my shoulder. And then he fell off, and this guy, the eagle guy, was high mean and out to me, like just, are you okay, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fine. And I kept going with my long toss. And it was hilarious because like, all anyone wanted to ask me about was the eagle, but it's like, I had to pitch, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. They're kind of like, leave me alone, but they were just like, are you okay? How did you pitch? Uh, I pitched okay. Yeah. I think I. I you never went, thought about uh, the eagle as you were pitching, or like, oh man, my. I mean, I had, a, I had a job to do, you know. So I was out That's there. Fair. I think I think I ended up giving up three runs. I went like five innings, struck out nine guys, or something like that. I gave up two runs late, a home run to uh, Sanoa, Actually, I blame the eagle. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, he's across the field right now. We can ask him. Oh, the, uh, have you ever, that's the only time you've ever, ever been attacked by an animal. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever had an animal come at me. Oh. I mean, maybe when I was younger, you know, I had a dog chase me. Yeah. Like, I can't really remember, but... Johnny Gomes was attacked by a wolf. That's why the only... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. The five ways that Johnny Gomes almost died, according to time. Uh, so, so now I want to ask you about the... And I know we've told the story before, but for the listenership, yeah. nickname, Tim Bogar. Yeah, yeah. Tim Bogar, friend of the program, former bench coach for the Red Sox. Continue. So Tim Bogar was our bench coach in Seattle, and I forget what year it was. It was 16, maybe 17, and uh, he came up and he's like, "Dude, you need a nickname." And I was like, "Come up with something." So he uh, he started throwing nicknames at me. He came up to me one day and he said, "Dude, I got it, Big Maple." And I was like, "That's pretty cool. You know, it's a good nickname." I guess he must have told our head coach, you know, service. So I had pitched that day. And service is talking about me after the game and says Big Maple, calls me Big Maple. 
And so the media grabbed hold of that and had a big, big name. Does anyone teams. like, I mean, it's a, it's a great name. Like we, you know, we'll, we'll reference it, whatever. Yeah. But do people actually call you that? Do they abbreviate it? Is it like, is it, is it a nickname? Like, you know, the nicknames are one thing. Like we'd say, yeah. um, like, uh, some, I think, um, who was it? Verdugo after the game said, yeah. called Pavetta Pavets, right? Pavets, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So people, I'd say people normally call me Pax, okay. uh, but I've also had some guys uh, in Seattle, they would call me Mate. Okay. Yeah. See, that's where I thought it was going to go. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. All right. So that's a good story. And then you get the, you get the tattoo be, uh, before that, right? Before that, yeah. So that's kind of where he got it. was like, oh, you got the maple on your forearm, you know, yeah. big maple works. Did it hurt? Not really. I mean, the forearm isn't really, like, the outside of the forearm here isn't really that sensitive of a spot. I think if I had gone on the inside where it doesn't get as much sun, yeah. that would have been more Only painful. tattoo? Only tattoo so far. I'd like to do the rest of my arm at some point, but... In what? In what? Well, this one's sort of for my, like, packs inside of the family. Yeah. Because it's got the uh, island that we have a cabin on up there. And so my other side of the family, my mom's side, they have a cabin on another island, and they have uh, arbutus trees all around their place. So I kind of want to get an arbutus tree going up my, uh, my shoulder. Okay. Yeah. All right. But people are gonna think it's a maple tree. You know that. I know they're gonna think. I gotta tr- somehow try and figure out how to make it look like a like an arbutus tree. Well, I I'd be remiss. Do you like maple syrup? Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Uh, people don't like sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess there could be some. I mean, maple syrup. It's uh, great. If you want, I'm gonna give you this as the opportunity because this listen in the rules of journalism and playing uh, professional athletics. If it's free, it's for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your plea to the entire state of Vermont. Okay. To to say something. Say hello, state of Vermont. If you would like me to sponsor your maple industry, syrup industry, you may. I'll give you that opportunity. Ready? I mean, yeah. So, hello, Vermont. If you'd like me to be an ambassador for your maple syrup. Please let me know. I'd be happy to do so. Wow, oh, but that is absolutely happening, by the way. I got a <laughs> wedding up there in September. All right, you go to the Yankees. Yeah. You have to shave. I did. Is that weird? It was, you know, because I've had a beard for a long time. And so I felt like I looked like a 15-year-old when I got rid of the beard. You, is it, it, I mean, how do guys feel of it? Is that like, is this accepted? It's just sort of a thing, you know. Yeah. You just know that if you're going to the Yankees, you're getting rid of the beard. It's just kind of part of the deal. Darnell McDonald shaved his dreads. Remember Darnell McDonald? I remember that name, yeah. Yeah, his hitter played for the Red Sox. Yeah. He went to the Yankees. They made him shave his dreads. Yeah. He was cut a week later. I mean, he had dreads. He, he kept them in a bag, but... It's oh, a, man. Well, it's not like he's going to glue them back on. No, no. That's but so it's just to remember his anger toward the organization. <laughs> Um, but it, but was it, you know, now that you're, you're with the Red Sox, you haven't yeah. played yet, but like with the Yankees, it's, you know, like playing in Seattle's cool. Yeah. You know, it's great, but it's, you know, the Yankees are a yeah. different deal, right? Yeah, the Yankees are the Yankees, you know, it's, it's really intense. Um, I mean, a lot, so the whole, I, the whole narrative about a guy, can a guy play in New York, yeah. right? And obviously you can because you did and you did well. Right. But could you get? Is that like a, a like a, a made up narrative? Or could you actually see that being a thing? Yeah, I think it's a thing. You know, I think when you go to New York, there's a certain expectation, and it's it's what you do to yourself. Like you you try to do more than what you're capable of doing, or you try to do things that you just don't do. You know, you gotta stay within yourself to be good at this game and know what you're good at and do you. 
and if you try to do something that you're not, you're gonna struggle. And that's I think. Did you happens. do that? Did you do that? Did you in try the beginning? To, uh, yeah, in yeah. the beginning, I really, I really struggled. The first half of the season didn't have a great first half, and then I kind of settled in and had a really good second half, and that uh, kind of picked up my season. That must help. I mean, maybe this is sort of cliche, but it probably helps when you come back here, right? Oh, for sure. You know, just having the experience playing in the AL East, you know, the the rivalry games between Boston and Yankees, I mean, so much fun. But having that experience and uh, now having pitched in the postseason too, I just feel like I have a better feel for those types of, that type of intensity in games. I've been very appreciative of all your time you've taken. Just a couple quick things. Red Sox, why the Red Sox? I mean, honestly, the Red Sox weren't really on my radar uh, when I was going through free agency. I hadn't heard, really heard anything. All, obviously, always knew that the Red Sox were a great team. I just hadn't heard anything from them. And so they came in that day before the lockout and were really interested and offered what I thought was a fair deal, a good deal for me to kind of get back on my feet. And uh, I talked to some people, talked to Adam Adovino, played with him in New York, okay. and he told me great things about uh, about Boston. Um, a few other people that I that I know that have spent time in Boston mm. telling me how great it was, and it was their favorite organization. I heard that Jason Bay had said that this was his favorite organization he ever played for. Um, so I was like, let's give it a shot. Let's go for it. Mm. Felt good about it. You know, came out here for my for my physical, and just. Felt a good vibe. And that, all of this happened quick because the lockout was like yeah, it was like 24 hours. Oh, wow! Like I remember sitting there that night, like going over the deal, trying to decide if that's what we were going to do with my wife, and we went for it. And the next the next day, that next morning, I flew to Boston to get my physical. And that was like the day probably of the lockout. It right? was. Yeah, we. I left Fenway at 10 p.m. and the the lockout started at midnight. That's crazy. Yeah. Imagine if your like flight was delayed or something. I know, I know. We we were quick too. Dola was was driving me around. I was doing all the MRIs and seeing the doctors and stuff. Came here for the my thing, and I I wasn't done until 10 p.m. Wow, yeah. wow. All right, all right. Now here's the thing. People are gonna be counting on you, right? Yeah. All right. It's nothing. Not a bad thing. It's because it means you're good. Yeah. I mean, because you're respected, and people are excited to see you pitch. Um, Tell everybody why that you know. I guess I guess here's here's your hype video. Here's My your, hype video. Right, but, but you know, listen. I know that you're trying to take day by day. Like yeah. it's been very encouraging. What was it yesterday? You threw 25 pitches in the bullpen. I did. Okay. Yeah. So, but you know, like, tell people. You know, tell people like this is like, hey, listen, I'll be ready to roll. Yeah. You know, I I'm doing everything I can to get back as soon as possible. And uh, one thing about me is like every time I go out there, you're gonna get everything I got. You know, I'm gonna go out, be focused, be getting everything I got on every pitch, and fighting for this team. Man, listen, that's better than Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather. That was good. <laughs> All right, well, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Oh, you bet. Thanks for talking to me. All right, Coop. There you go. You had it all. You, you had it all. There's not every last drop of syrup. <laughs> you are gonna get much more in the way of uh, an eclectic groupings of topics than what you just listened to. Uh, I mean, we ranged from geography to what maple syrup making or potentially sponsoring maple syrup making. I mean, well, okay. So before you get to your reaction, let okay. me just, let me just say this: is that if the great state of Vermont does not jump aboard this opportunity that we have hand delivered them, and and is seduced 
by the pitch that James Paxton gave on this podcast, then I don't know what's going on. Like, I mean, nice calming voice fits into that whole, like I'm up North. I want to come and relax. That's Vermont, baby. Let's just kick back, get a jug of maple syrup, sit under a tree, start chugging. I think, I think you would get sent to the hospital if you were to, you know, kick back and, you know, two liter of syrup, but to each their own, I guess. I like, He's like, he's like who, who doesn't like maple syrup? And my only response to that. Diabetics. People, people who don't like sugar. I don't know. But, uh, but you know, Big Maple, Big Maple didn't disappoint. Um, but I do think that this, we, if we do nothing else in this world, it is to make that partnership happen. And I think that James Paxton did an excellent job of pitching himself for the lone reason that he broke out the word ambassador. Like, he could, have, he could have just said, let me help you sell maple syrup, state of Vermont. But no, 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 no. He said, let me be your ambassador, right? Not just, and on top of that, he could have told you no. He could have just been like, this is going to be a free advertisement for the great state of Vermont. But he was like, I'm on board. I'm on board. I want to be an ambassador. And by the way, so I was talking to Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck um, outside the dugout today. And we were talking about this very same podcast. And I said, good news, guys. Wait, 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 wait. The Bradfoe Show podcast? No, we we're just talking. We were, oh, okay. We we're okay. chopping it up. Just three fellas. Three guys. We're talking about three dudes. Garrett, Garrett Whitlock losing 20 pounds and, and you know, eating and dieting. And and, spot, and, and I, someone said, and Whitlock had said somebody had called him regards to, I don't want to say what it was. But something to sponsor something or other. I said, well, funny you say that. We just did a podcast with James Paxton, and we are, we are brokering a deal with the great state of Vermont and him being the ambassador for their maple syrup industry. And immediately, both of them were like, this is, and this is inside the mind of these guys. Oh, yeah. There's going to be maple syrup all over the place in the clubhouse. It's awesome. We're going to get free maple syrup. So they clearly don't hate sugar. Oh, come on. I mean, yes. No, they do not hate sugar. They're 20-something-year-olds that, like, their body can still intake like, as much sugar as possible. You ever, do you know what a pixie stick is? Yes, I know what a pixie, yeah, pixie yeah. stick is. So, like, pixie, it's amazing to me that, like, the kids, the parents like kids – Partake in pixie sticks. Just straight. I mean, like that's it's it's, it's cocaine a, for it's kids. A it's what of, it is. It's a full of sugar. Yeah, like the, down at Hanson Little League Field, they would sell the ones that were like this long. And like I'd be playing a game, and then like some like one of my buddies would be like running by, like just all hopped up on sugar. All right, cool, ready? I'm going to give you the same opportunity because I'm a dreamer. Right. Ready? Let's hear. I it. want you to speak into the microphone to the pixie stick people. And you talk about make your case for being the ambassador for pixie sticks. Ambassador of pixie sticks. Well, first and foremost, it's not even a matter of me needing to pitch myself. It's a matter of a marriage. I mean, I'm making a proposal here. I, we would make sweet, sweet, sweet love if we were to make a partnership over sugar. Who doesn't want to see that? I will sell sugar like there's no tomorrow. People would think that sugar cane has just gone extinct. That's how, that's how much you need me. That's how much I need you, Pixie Stick. I don't even know if you still exist as a company, Pixie Stick. 
but you know what? Maybe I'll resurrect you. We're taping this technically on Easter. You know, resurrection. If you're gone, you're now here. If you're still here, I'm there for you. There you go. I Again, I'm making dreams come true. Uh, you with Pixie Six, James Paxton with the great state of Vermont, a maple syrup industry. We're going to have a right. food triangle. There you go. <laughs> yeah, all that's missing is me getting the chocodiles, which is basically chocolate yeah. for Twinkies. Um, all right. So what do you got? What do you got? What do I got my, my biggest takeaway. Do you want my biggest takeaway or do you want my, like one of my funnest takeaways? No, give me both. Give you both. All right. Biggest takeaway. And I've become kind of the quote guy with these is control what you can control. I thought that was a great thing from him because you were, you were talking about, you know, trusting the process and he dropped that, that little nugget of information, which I would, thought was incredibly interesting because the next thing you went it directly into was a, a no hitter and be the Eagle story, both things were like, he doesn't have a lot of control over what's going on. And he's just kind of like, all right, let's, let's just go with the flow. I mean, like he talked about uh, Seeger picking him up with that diving play and like just being able to like go with it. And like that whole defense behind him, that entire game, he can't control what happens when that ball goes into play. But if you're playing with like a good defense behind you, that's going to be a huge, huge stress relief as a pitcher. I mean, and he, Erod, Erod made note of that when he left here. He was kind of like, well, I'd like to have a good defense behind me. And it does help for a pitcher. Okay. Now, what was the, I hope that wasn't your fun, fun option. No, 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 no. That was my, the whole uh, philanthropic that was, thing. That was your geeking it out observation. Yeah. Um, him doing his travels. I'm a dude that like, I, I love to travel anytime it's I crazy, can travel. Right? I mean, like, so. I'm looking at, like, there's a lot of ways to go with James Paxton. I've talked to him a few times, and we touched on some of the stuff, honestly, that we've already talked about before, but the the fine listeners of this program have not heard. Um, but then I'm going through, I'm like, holy mackerel. You know, this guy from, like, Canada, like, has been to the, the most random places. And, and obviously, we're not talking about, you know, when you're a ba- professional baseball player, you go to every place in in but the, he's going to like middle parts of like the country, right? Like, which so is the wild like, thing. This is like 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 this is random. So Kentucky, Alaska, uh, the Caribbean, right? What am I missing? Obviously, uh, I mean Marcus. Cuba. Cuba was in the mix, which I thought was insane. Cuba in the mix, yeah. So uh, oh, that was a great story, by the way. The the, the smoke gun. The guy coming out with a smoke gun. I started getting like lost in that. I was like. I, is he like a hostage here? What's going on? Are they sending him to like Guantanamo? <laughs> I, I was really like confused by that. Well, uh, the well. other thing that, but like the most, something that like he got to do, which is on my baseball bucket list is on there is go to the Alaskan collegiate league. Yeah. Some of the, some of the fields there, the backdrops that they have of just like the mountains and everything. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you talk about picturesque baseball. Yes. You would, be, today. you would be standing in right field facing the opposite way from home play. You'd be looking yeah. at the mountains. Yes. Yeah. Stop looking at the mountains, Coop, they would say. I'm just, guys, come on. Can we just take a pause? Okay. I thought this was a slow game anyways. <laughs> time. time. Hey, time. I'm going to do full timeout. Full timeout. Already wasted the half timeout. Mountain viewing time. Yep. Uh, uh, incredibly interesting guy. That was the real interesting. So I'm yeah. excited. He's someone that I think we forgot. I don't know if you forgot during the offseason that we signed him. 
Well, the the thing is, the in, in the story about like signing and like basically having to take the physical, and like I didn't know that. I knew that it was coming right down the the to the wire, but I didn't realize he had to catch a plane on the day that the lockout was happening and get his physical that day. Like that's like, yeah. literally, they think I said this. I'm coop. I mean, like, what if the plane? What if his plane is like canceled, right, or delayed, or whatever? It canceled because then you would have to push it back a day. You couldn't push it back a day because then you had you, to get it done that day. You push it back a day, then you're not signing until or you're not doing anything until after the lockout. And who knows? Because one of the things, this wasn't in the podcast, but I had talked to him about this, about there was a communication between his trainer uh, in that wherever he's working out. I think it was out by Seattle and the Red Sox. You know, obviously he couldn't talk to them, but his trainer could. They would have never had any of that. Yeah. So, um, and you figure he gets back from you get back from the lockout, and you have that like really small window to get a deal done. He's going to be under the gun more. He's going to want to get a season in, so he's probably going to take less money. Right. So if he misses that plane, that's that's going to end up being money out of his pocket. He made, he made the plane. Good for him. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you the the line of the entire podcast, the sneaky line of the entire podcast. Let's hear it. Which. Like our guy Nate has to, or our good friend Red Sox LA has to take this and do something with it, and then we locked eyes. Oh, this is you know what I'm talking about that line, the quote that he dropped, and then we locked eyes with the Eagle, and then we locked eyes. He's talking about with the Eagles. I mean, if they can get like you, like you know how they have the UFC like fight cards where like you have like one fighter like looking in that direction, the other fighter looking in this direction, so it's eye to eye. Something like that. So Just a bald you, eagle, have you seen, James Paxton. Have you seen the video of this? Yeah, I remember it happening. Like Right. So I went back and watched it again. And so it's great to watch because we'll maybe we'll do something on social media with this, but it's great to watch why he describes this, right? Because it's like, again, the great line, he's doing, we're doing this or doing that, and then we locked eyes. <laughs> the thing that I thought was like funny was just like the fact that like he's he's hunched over, he's got the bird on his back, and he's just like, all right, I'm gonna stand up now. I don't I think I would have just been like petrified. I don't think I would have moved. Well, well, here's the thing, and there's some you know, some good national anthem talk in this. The the his intention of trying to keep to keep um in position for the, I believe it was during the national anthem, right? It looked like, yep. it was. yeah, because yeah, it was technically, was it opening day? For it was opening Seattle? day. It was like, yeah. as he said, the opening day ceremonies, they get sort of, sort of skew. Yep. So um, it, it was his effort to keep like, like add attention for the national anthem. Why this Eagle is attacking him is next level. It, as a Canadian too. I mean, he could have just, he could have taken like a squat in center field and just chilled out until the Canadian national anthem comes on. Oh, or something. Like, let's go. Uh, all right. Anything else? Anything else? Uh, nothing I can think of. I mean, you, I'm going to ask you a nice question here. Canadian national anthem or, or the, the U S national anthem, which one's better? Uh, you know, I know the popular opinion is like, Oh, the U S national anthem is less than let's just say. Yep. I don't mind it. And I don't, you know, the, I've heard the Canadian national anthem, I don't think it's so much superior. It's not like if you're going to, any national anthem, like it comes to some crescendo 
where it gets me riled up, then maybe I'll say that's the one. But that's not the Canadian national anthem, right? No, no. no. It's kind of like it's it's strong all the way through. Whereas like the U.S. national anthem, it kind of builds up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also the U.S. national anthem is always like connected to like very passionate moments that affect our lives. Yeah. But, sure. uh, you want to talk about a national anthem that really thumps is uh, God Save the Queen. Uh, that is that your, that your power rank in the national I, as of right now yeah okay why is that i don't know it's just i don't hear it as much maybe so then when i do hear it i'm like like olympics come around and i'm like all right this this guy has this has right. a little carry to it i wonder if james paxton can sing god god save the god queen. save the queen uh, i mean technically his queen that right? is sure sure right yes. you want to get into the government stuff yeah, I mean, I, I, and, and listen He's already one up me because I can't sing the national anthem. Like I, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't do it. What? I can, I can. It's like the final line of it, off the top of your head right now. I, I don't. It's been a yeah. long day. I don't. Even, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even know. You're, you're in your head right now. You've you've had a long day and you're in your I head. A long day. <laughs> Rob, you're doing great. Listen, we're gonna do a little little pep talk here. You're doing amazing work. You're getting uh, interviews. Uh, you're no, you're, you're no, an all star. No, 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 you are an all star. No, no, it's good. I just want to. I, I enjoyed. I really enjoyed sitting down with James Paxson, and I really enjoyed talking through all this stuff. And I, I sincerely mean this. And so I, I'm happy that we have this podcast today. I'm happy that we're breaking it down because it's fun to do. But it's been a long day. I will just finish with this: is that with James Paxson, like in all sincerity, like this guy it could be like a huge story for this team. I, I've come away through the first uh, week and a half of games, Coop, and this is what I know to be true. I think that this team is good enough, but they really have to weather the storm until June. If you can get to June, like I, I in the aforementioned hanging outside the dugout today, like I ran into Chris Sale, I'm talking to him, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get some sort of – you know, hey, you know, what are you thinking? And, like, obviously, I feel great. I'm doing this in the weight room. I heard he was long tossing today. Out on yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I'm doing, like, he's, he's talking to me about how he's doing the, all this torque exercises in the weight room. So, by the time he gets to, like, throw, it's like nothing. You know, so he's like, you know. But I think that I think that mid-June, both in, in uh, Paxton, I think his first – this schedule that he's on right now, and who knows where it goes, is like first live BP is like early May. So if you do that, then, then you're talking – for me, I might be wrong, but for me it kind of seems like these two guys are lining up. So if you get to that spot where these guys are pitching in games and you can sort of weed out, like, okay, who – like if, if Tanner Houck's better in the bullpen, then put him there, that's fine. They've already talked. They'd already talked about piggybacking how we sale to begin with. So maybe that's what he does. If Waka keeps pitching well, if Rich Hill pitches well, you know. So all of it just get to June with these two guys, and then now you're talking because then you have all these different options. Everything lengthens out in the, in the pitching staff. There you go. There you go. There we go. And you know what? Especially coming off of this weekend where the bats woke up. I was feeling very optimistic about that same exact thing. So where me and you, we got a, we got the same brainwave. We're mind melding. Yep. All right. Good podcast. Great podcast.